This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 58, another Wisdom Wednesday. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja Wisdom Wednesday. In today's episode, we are going to discuss Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as well as blockchain technologies. After my interview with Roger Veer, some of you had reached out and asked if I could talk about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies and blockchain technologies in a Wisdom Wednesday episode. So backed by popular demand, this episode is for you guys. Today is Wednesday, the 19th of October, and I will be hosting my first webinar tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm hosting, of course, this webinar with Sid Barat of Thinkific, and Sid's going to share the ultimate blueprint to easily create and sell your first online course. In this webinar, you're also going to learn the proven step-by-step process to create, promote, and sell your first online course, the tools you need to easily build your course, even if you have zero technical skills. And Sid's also going to be sharing case studies and best practices from some of the top online course creators that are doing extremely well marketing and selling their online courses. We'll also have a live Q&A to answer all of the questions that you may have about creating, marketing, and selling your first online course. You can sign up for tonight's webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash webinar. That's cashflowninja.com forward slash webinar. Sid's going to be giving away some fantastic bonuses during this webinar. So it's a win-win. You get a ton of valuable content and bonuses by supporting me in my first webinar. And you're supporting our operations here by supporting myself and Thinkific and supporting what I'm trying to create and build at the Cashflow Ninja. Win-win around for everyone. I also sent out our Cashflow Ninja Gashku newsletter on the weekend packed with valuable content and news stories and developments. You can join our community and newsletter at CashflowNinja.com or text CashflowNinja, one word, all capitalized to 44222. As always, if there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, or if there's any improvements I can make in the show, you can reach out to me and let me know at info at CashflowNinja.com and tweet me at MC Lobsher. Now let's dive into the meat of today's show. Bitcoin is probably the best known digital currency, and it was created in 2009 by an unknown person using the alias Satoshi Nakamoto. Now, Satoshi Nakamoto announced this new currency on a cryptographer email mailing list. 
Now, there's a lot of discussion whether Satoshi is one person. I mean, the media has had quite a field day with this. And then they thought they discovered, I think it was Newsweek, who Satoshi Nakamoto is, which was a complete hoax. A lot of experts believe that the skills that you would have had to have to create blockchain technology, which was started with this as well as this currency, it would have required a ton of skills, which was going to be very hard for one guy to have. We, who knows? He might be a genius. But with Bitcoin and decentralized digital currencies, transactions are made with zero middlemen, so meaning no banks. There are no transaction fees, and you don't even need to give your real name. And you can send Bitcoins to anybody anywhere in the world with a click of a button. So accounts can also not be frozen by the government for some concocted or fabricated false criminal offense. And Bitcoin is pretty easy to set up, easy to use, and opens the entire global marketplace to anyone to trade with each other freely without interference of banks and governments. Think of Bitcoin like one big ledger shared by all the users. So when you pay for something with Bitcoin or get paid, then your transaction is recorded on that ledger. Now, computers then compete to confirm the transaction by solving complex math equations, and the winner is awarded with more Bitcoins. This process is known as mining. Now, more people are beginning to use Bitcoin, and more merchants are actually beginning to accept Bitcoin. Bitcoins can be used to buy merchandise anonymously, and in addition, international payments are extremely easy and cheap because Bitcoins are not tied to any country or subject to any regulation. Small businesses can enjoy the benefits of Bitcoin because there are no credit card fees. Some people just buy Bitcoins as an investment and that they hope that they go up in value. So what's the point? What is, what is the point of this digital decentralized cryptocurrency? So if you look at it, it does have populist roots. It made its debut in a crazy time period in 2009 when the financial crisis was still raging. And I think the idea behind it and the philosophy is to take the power out of the hands of central bankers and governments who usually control the flow of a currency. We've discussed in this podcast that central bankers across the world have have really, I mean, they have devalued their currencies. Uh, it's almost criminal in how they've done that. And by doing that, they actually steal the purchasing power of the money of their citizens. Now, Bitcoin has opened up a public dialogue and a philosophical conversation, really, of what is money? And as we've discussed in the show, money is backed by nothing right now. We have fiat currencies all over the globe. Not a single country has a currency that's backed by something. So the U.S. dollar, that was with the Nixon shock actually in 1971, took the world off the gold standard because the money in the world was backed by the dollar and the dollar was backed by gold. By taking the world off the gold standard in 1971, money after that, essentially, is backed by nothing. Really, but 
I mean, the only thing that it's backed by is the confidence that the citizens and the people have in the governments that issue those currencies or fiat currencies. Fiat currencies today in the world is a medium of exchange and a representation of value. Very, very important. It's not a store of value. It doesn't hold any value. In fact, with inflation and the way that central banks are inflating their currencies, it loses value every single day. So it's not a store of value, a representation of value in a medium of exchange. This is where the public debate gets a little bit tricky for me because if I talk to people in conversations about Bitcoin, most people will say, well, um, you know, who issues it? Who controls it? Who backs it? And the answer is no one. And that kind of stumps people because they're so used to having some governmental entity or a, a bank or something controlling and be in charge. Um, and they would say, well, what is it backed by? And I'm like, well, it's backed by the confidence that people have and trust. And then I go into obviously my, my usual rant that the money that you have right now is not backed by anything anyway. So there's no central bank. There's no central bank that issues Bitcoin. There's no central bank that controls Bitcoin. And this is really important. Bitcoin has a source code, and this source code is written, and it actually has a fixed uh, supply. There's only 21 million Bitcoins that can be issued. That's it. It's fixed. No one's been able to hack or override the source code, and no one knows who Satoshi Nakamoto is or who developed this technology, really. So there's no one that can come out and change this. So clearly the person or the people behind this really was extremely anti what the central banks were doing at the time. Uh, if you guys want to think back in 2009, there was a lot of big bank bailouts and there was a ton of uh, currency creation to basically uh, inject it into the economy and stabilize it after the, the big banks have been bailed out. And there was a lot of people that were really unhappy about this. So Bitcoin is a fixed supply. And the other thing that I would say about it is, from a philosophical point of view, it truly is a free market tool because the market really sets and determines the price of Bitcoin. Between the buying and the selling, there's price discovery, just as there should be in a free market. And that's where the price of Bitcoin is. The more people that want to come in and use Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and the volume goes up, there's a larger demand for it, then obviously the price is going to go up. As I've mentioned in previous podcasts, we don't have a free market economy anywhere anymore. We have central banks unelected private central bankers that set interest rates, not the free market, and the rest of the world basically fall in line with the interest rates that they set. The interest rates then determine basically the price of the money. Money is cheap right now because interest rates are really, really low, historically low. So Bitcoin actually has true price discovery by the market as it should be in a free market. It's important to know, too, that money really came from the free market and people. People created money. I mean, I use the example of I had two cows, you had three sheep, 
and somebody had like five or six chickens, yeah, you know, we could work out how many chickens uh, I'm going to receive for a cow. But what if I want sheep and the guy that wants sheep doesn't want the cow? I mean, you guys understand what I'm trying to say. There had to be a medium of exchange and a tool that acted as a representation of value. And when it came to gold and silver as the use of money, and they've been for thousands of years, there was actually a store of value in the money as well. So really important to know that that's where money comes from. It doesn't come from governments, and it doesn't come from central banks. It comes from people and the free market. And this is the really cool thing about Bitcoin. So that's the philosophical side about this. So let's look at how you can use Bitcoin. Well, the first thing is you can install a Bitcoin wallet app on your phone, or your computer, and then you can buy your Bitcoins from a Bitcoin exchange. You know, you store them in this digital wallet, which exists either in the cloud or on your computer. So the wallet is kind of like a virtual bank account that allows you to send or receive Bitcoins and pay for goods and even save money. It's really important to know, too, that, as a lot of people point out, Unlike bank accounts, Bitcoin wallets are not insured by the FDIC, which is an extremely good thing because here's just another example of why you don't have a free market. The FDIC is a really, it's an illusion of safety that people have in the banks. They think their money is safe in the bank because, oh, the FDIC's got it covered, you know, if something goes wrong. Well, if there wasn't the FDIC, then most people would keep a close eye on what actions their banks are taking and look at their bank's balance sheets and look at all these things uh, that they should be looking at. Is the bank responsible? Are they making reckless loans? Because my money is in that bank. So if they make reckless loans and they get into risky behavior with derivatives, my money's going to be wiped out. So what would happen? In a free market, people would watch what, uh, what the banks are doing and take their money and put their man- money in the bank that's the most responsible and isn't involved in any risky derivative activities. Even with the Dodd-Frank Act, uh, it basically includes that the FDIC, along with people's bank accounts, their bank deposits can be used to recapitalize banks in the event of another financial crisis. So that's an illusion anyway. Now, let's get back to Bitcoin. There's three ways that you can get your hands on Bitcoin. The first one, as I mentioned, is buy, buy it on an exchange where you can take U.S. dollars, euros, the currency that you tr- of your country, and exchange those for Bitcoins. The other one is you can actually sell a product or a service and get paid in Bitcoin, and someone can transfer you Bitcoin. And then... There's also mining, which I mentioned in the beginning of the show, where people can mine Bitcoins using computers to solve complex math puzzles. And currently, you know, the person that that solves this complex math puzzle before anyone else is rewarded with 25 Bitcoins uh, roughly every 10 minutes. But again, there's uh, <laughs> there's guys with large computers and a ton of overhead uh, with the technology already doing this. So I would say the way that the majority of us are going to get hold of Bitcoins is either buy it on the open exchanges and or 
provide a product or a service that someone pays us for or someone transfers it to us. Bitcoin is also an open source and anyone can review it, the blockchain. So let's look at a couple of negatives of Bitcoin. Now, we've spoken about the wallets, one on your computer and then one in the cloud um, and especially on the exchanges. So your virtual wallet is basically on your computer or your smartphone. And then you have the exchanges. Coinbase has one in the United States. That's a very popular one. Um, that's kind of like having your money in a bank. So somebody is holding your Bitcoins for you uh, in the exchange like Coinbase. Let's just use Coinbase for an example. The other virtual wallet is when you hold your Bitcoins yourself. So it's basically the same as having your cash in your safe or having your cash in a bank. Now, Bitcoin itself has not been hacked. The source code, as I'd mentioned, nobody can get into it and even change it. So that can't happen. But exchanges have been hacked. In August, hackers stole about 72 million worth of Bitcoin from accounts at a Hong Kong cryptocurrency exchange called Bitfinex. And Bitfinex is a huge exchange. So people have lost money. Again, this is a very, very new uh, space. <laughs> it is like the wild, wild west. So you really have to study and learn exactly everything you can about um, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin before you get into it. Know the risks. And that's the risk. If you have your money in exchange, your money could be, it could be hacked and it could be gone. Just as it can in a bank, because banks have been hacked too, your wallet on your computer, you can accidentally delete your wallet, believe it or not. And viruses could destroy them. So if you get a virus on your computer, that could destroy your Bitcoins. So if you have them on there, um, you know, you could lose all of them even on your computer, just as you can lose money out of your wallet. So there are definitely some negatives to it. You know, so it's a new space. There's um, obviously a ton of people seeing the potential of this, so there's going to be <laughs> there's going to be criminals in the space as well. So be careful, know the risks when you go in there, and do your do own due diligence. Now, each Bitcoin transaction is also recorded in a public log, and the names of buyers and sellers are never revealed, only their wallet IDs. So while that keeps Bitcoin users' transactions private, it also lets them buy or sell anything without easily tracing it back to them. Now, again, it is private, but if somebody can grab hold of your Bitcoin wallet address, then they can basically go in there and see all of your transactions. So, yes, it's private, but it's not completely private because there's still a way that somebody can find out um, whose transaction what. Obviously, with cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, uh, the current establishment has seen that there is a decentralized currency. And like everything that threatens the establishment, the first thing they just laughed at it, they laughed at Bitcoin, they laughed at cryptocurrencies. You know, they thought, oh, but it's just like some kind of a video game token or arcade token, right? Or, you know, so they poked fun of it. Then it became, you know, obviously apparent that it was getting traction and a lot of people were interested in it and a lot of people started using it. So this really, really frightened the establishment. So that's when you get the BS propaganda out there that drug 
dealers are using this and terrorists are using this and all this absolute nonsense. I mean, as Roger Veer said in his interview on the Cashflow Ninja podcast, that the number one undisputed currency of drug dealers and terrorists in the world is the U.S. dollar. So that was all a ton of propaganda to try and scare people away from it. And then what started happening then is the establishment realized that this is here, it's staying. How do we get to control it? Well, nobody gets to control Bitcoin, of course, because <laughs> nobody owns Bitcoin. So there's no central banker who you can go arrest in the middle of the night and tell him what to do or, uh, you know, one person or several people in charge that can be rounded up and <laughs> threatened or... Uh, arrested and thrown in jail, it, it, it just doesn't exist. So they realized that it couldn't be controlled. And of course, there's a very big concern from governments uh, about taxation and the lack of control that they have over this. Market Watch actually ran an article where they had panelists on and uh, <laughs> I mean, the language is 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 quite funny where uh, end quote, regulating a rogue currency too heavily would make Bitcoin not really Bitcoin anymore. There's a cacophony of opinions. The Treasury is worried that it will be used for uh, illegal activities. <laughs> you mean like printing money from the central banks, right? Federal Reserve Chairwoman Janet Yellen said the Fed has no authority to regulate it. Yeah, that's right. The IRS has defined Bitcoin as property and not as currency because they can't control it, guys. So that's why they've done that. So there are, of course, many other cryptocurrencies out there. I focus mainly on Bitcoin. But if you just do a quick search, the last time I checked, it was almost over a, close to a thousand of these cryptocurrencies. There's one springing up every day. Some of the other popular ones is Ether that runs on the Ethereum blockchain, and we'll get into blockchains in a second. And there's also Ripple, Litecoin, Monero, Dash. And, you know, I think cryptocurrencies, obviously, and blockchain technologies are amazing. And probably the greatest thing in my life I've seen as far as development and technology since the invention of the internet. So I'm extremely excited every day to just look at new developments in the space and to see what happens with some of these these cryptocurrencies somebody said to, somebody said to me the other day um i was having a discussion just on what were some of the the cryptocurrencies that's going to you know stick around and become more popular and grow as people get more into this and the person actually said a very true thing. He said, you know, it's the same as social media. In the beginning, there was a couple that popped up. One of these guys, there's going to be a MySpace in here. <laughs> and that's so true. You know that there's going to be a MySpace in all of these ones. We just don't know uh, which one. Now, what's a blockchain? In the non-blockchain world, we keep separate records of transactions. When you write a check to a friend... You balance your own checkbook, and then your friend goes and does the same when they deposit your check. And things can go wrong, and they do. You know, somebody might forget to update their checkbook ledger. And of course, each bank has no way to know immediately if the person has enough in their bank account to cover that check. 
Now, with a blockchain, instead of two separate checkbooks with two records of debits and credits, you both look at the same ledger of transactions. It's private, encrypted in the uh, computer speak, and it's decentralized, so neither of you controls the ledger. The distributed ledger operates on consensus between the two parties, in this case, myself and my friend. Both of you can look at the ledger, and each transaction gets to go into a block. If you both say that that block is valid and correct, it's added to the chain. And that chain is then protected by sophisticated cryptography. Um, As I mentioned earlier, Satoshi Nakamoto released the white paper for Bitcoin on a cryptographer uh, email mailing list. So no one can change the blockchain after the fact. If you guys have already agreed on it, that it's valid, it's correct, it's added to the chain, it can't be altered or changed. Now imagine this in a lot more complex form. And this is where people in healthcare, technology, uh, finance get extremely excited. So say, for instance, you want to buy a stock, and right now your bank, brokerage, the stock exchange, and the company you're buying all have separate private records of transactions. They can't see each other's ledgers. They can also not even verify that everything is accurate amongst all the parties that are involved and all the transactions that are involved. But with the blockchain and the blockchain technology, they can all be on the same page. Your bank can verify that you have enough money to transfer to your brokerage account. That transfer is then added to the ledger of transactions that everyone that's involved can see. Then your broker can execute a trade for the amount of shares that you wish to buy of the company that you wanted to buy. That gets added to the blockchain as well. And then everyone involves then verifies that it's legitimate. After they verify that it's legitimate, the exchange receives the order and they also add it to the ledger and also verifies it. And then the company's shares end up in your account. Now, you could see the record of all the shares you buy and sell in the permanent record. If you decide to sell the shares later, that transaction also gets added to the blockchain. So basically, the blockchain facilitates this consensus model where all the parties that are involved confirms a transaction and it gets more secure the more people that you add to this blockchain. Everybody basically has access to a copy of this transaction that I just discussed. That's the blockchain basically in its simplest form. Now, a blockchain that's used in financial services could be private, or there could be a hybrid model between the decentralized version and more traditional centralized blockchain model that, for instance, people in the banking and financial industry is used to. So there there could be different types of blockchain. Now, the blockchain technology, as I mentioned, came from the Bitcoin blockchain from Satoshi Nakamoto, where he published the Bitcoin white paper on the cryptographer email list. 
the one area that's extremely exciting for people with regards to blockchain technology is the idea of a smart contract. Now, <laughs> this is actually pretty amazing. Just doing some of the research for today's show, I mean, I kind of had an idea what a smart contract is, but just doing more research, it, it just, it's amazing what what's starting to happen and where the world is going to. Now, smart contracts provide automated accountability. In a smart contract, a small computer program can execute really complex contracts. A third party can then var verify that specific actions are taken and then trigger other events. And then all this gets recorded on the secure blockchain and it can never be altered after the fact. So a really good example is an engineer in Nigeria could be doing work for a company in Canada. The money for the work can be escrowed in a digital wallet and after a third party then verifies that actions have been completed by the engineer, this will trigger other events and then the money can instantly be sent to a, another digital wallet without banks and governments and lawyers involved. Another example is a manufacturing plant in China. Workers can scan their employee tags and this triggers the machines to start up. And then they start manufacturing products. Now, when a product is finished, it automatically summons the trucks to pick up the manufactured products. And as soon as the driver then scans the box for delivery, it triggers a payment from another digital wallet to another. So no one has to invoice or chase someone else up for a payment. And because of the blockchain, you cannot change the contract without the permission of all the parties involved. Think about the possibility for smart contracts in healthcare, like going for a CT scan, and then the action of the CT scan triggers a payment from an insurance company to pay the doctor immediately. So it goes from one virtual wallet to another virtual wallet. Think about it in terms of storing valuable information like health records because the blockchain is private and you would obviously need encryption keys to get into the files. So only the doctors that you work with, you can give the encryption keys to know your health records. Blockchain could revolutionize the music industry. You know, an artist could provide music right off the ledger of the blockchain. A smart contract will ensure that only the people with rights to the music can play them. Think about it in, in terms of property records. Imagine you could just put the deeds on the blockchain. So you can have the third party that validates the records to trigger other events, be realtors and financing companies and title companies and also land registrars. In trading and banking, for instance, the Australian Securities and Exchange, the ASX, have plans to make a decision by mid-2017 to replace its current post-trade clearing and settlement system with a blockchain version. The Bank of England and the People's Bank of China have plans to issue currencies on the blockchain technology. They would be able to track their currencies in real time through the financial system. The estimated budget for blockchain technology projects in 2016 alone was $1 billion. Now, Bitcoin and Ethereum 
blockchain technologies are two of the very popular ones. And, you know, there's a lot of negatives and positives about them. Scalability is one. There's probably going to be another alternative emerging from developers that would be more easily scalable than the Bitcoin and Ethereum blockchain. But there's really exciting stuff happening, as as you can see, in this technology area as well. And definitely something uh, that most of the world is going to move towards. There's some super cool stuff, too, as far as just on the cryptocurrency blockchain technology radar. One of the things is a decentralized blockchain-based social media called Steemit. Now, this is really cool stuff. It's a social media uh, site where you can post and blog and get paid in Steam dollars. And Steam, which is the cryptocurrency, and Steam Power if users upvote your post and then comment on them. Steam is a cryptocurrency that you can buy on, ex on exchanges. And then Steam dollars are kind of the equivalent to U.S. dollars. And then Steam Power on this platform is also, you know, the more upvotes you get, the more steam power you get, and then you can influence other posts that you like and comment on. But it's really super cool. It's a social media on a decentralized blockchain technology platform. And if you haven't checked it out, check it out. I think, really think that this is the way that it's going. Facebook, for instance, you know, everybody says they don't really create any of their content all the people create the content and put it on there, and Facebook makes all the money. Well, with Steemit, you create the content and you can get paid. Where does the money come from? Uh, I believe you know the mining that's done on the platform instead of paying miners like the Bitcoin blockchain, the money that would be paid out in mining is paid to the content creators. But it's definitely something to check out. It's called Steemit. I would definitely check it out, read their white paper, do a little bit of research. It's extremely interesting. And I have to say, the articles and the posts that's on Steemit is amazing. There's really good quality posts and valuable content put out there because people are rewarded. And again, this is the free market. So don't expect to go on there and post something and think that you should be paid. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Um, I'm still trying to increase my earning power of Steemit on the platform. I'm on there at Cashflow Ninja. Um, I actually got a couple of hundred bucks. I think it was $180 for, for one post, and I thought I hit a home run. My other posts have not done so well. That only means that I'm not providing... Uh, enough valuable content that the people on there value um, and would upvote. So from a free market feedback loop that tells me that I have to improve my writing skills and I have to produce better and I have to create more valuable content that other people want to consume. There's also Arcade City, which is a rideshare 2.0 uh, company. It's uh, been called the Uber Killer. Basically what it is is it's a version of a rideshare company like Uber or Lyft, but it's on a decentralized blockchain technology. And I believe they put it on the Ethereum blockchain. But definitely something to check out to Arcade City. 
Uh, very exciting stuff. It should be interesting to see what that company does moving forward. Cryptocurrencies and blockchain technologies, guys, are truly a fantastic vehicle to have your money outside the broken, predatory global financial system. You know, it truly does restore the power and control over money to the people and the free market. So what opportunities are there for entrepreneurs to take advantage of these trends of cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology? Well, you don't have to worry. I got you covered here at the Cashflow Ninja. On Friday, I'm going to be interviewing a Bitcoin entrepreneur and researcher that have a lot of good ideas to share on how to position yourself to build a business and create value for others in this space. If you're looking for further research, there's a ton on the web. I was honored and privileged to interview Roger Veer, also known as the Bitcoin Jesus, on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. I would go back and listen to that show and all of the resources that was mentioned in that show to do your research. Roger has a ton of resources on his website. I believe it's rogerveer.com. So that might be something to check out. I'll list a couple of resources for you guys in the show notes. As always, please do your own research, do your own fact-checking, and form your own opinion. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to The Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness. 